The Utah football team lost a few players to the transfer portal and to the NFL draft, but they also gained a kicker. And Andrew Crowley joins the show to talk about everything Utah basketball. We're talking about that and a whole lot more on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. My name is JT Wister, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. On today's show, we're diving into things pertaining to Utah basketball in a little bit. But first, got to talk about some Utah football news, because with Utah football season ending last week at the Rose Bowl, of course, we've already seen a few players leave the program in terms of Makai Bernard decided to transfer Diabate decided to go to the NFL draft. A couple losses for the Utes, but we knew those would not be the only ones, of course, that this Utah football team would have to deal with this offseason. The first one I want to talk about is Paul Miley. Paul was, I was surprised by Paul personally. Um, Keaton Bills and his uh, kind of tweet to him, just shouting him out. Uh, Paul decided to enter the portal. Uh, Keaton said, hardest worker in the room. It's a tough loss for the Utes in that regard. I thought Paul did a very good job at center for Utah. This season, I don't think he's as big of a loss as I'll say like a Braden Daniels is at left tackle. I think Braden but he did all-conference player, of course. I think Paul does a lot of really good things at the center position, but look, did, did struggle a couple times, I think, in run-blocking situations. When you talk about that zone blocking, reaching the next level, taking those linebackers. When you also talk about um, reach blocking, trying to get over and stretch blocking, I think those are a couple of areas where I think Paul, look, there were a lot of times Paul did his job, did a really good job, but there were also some times he struggled. So I don't feel like this is an... Oh, this is a loss that hurts Utah anytime you lose a starter on the offensive line, especially a guy that had so much upside, um, harder worker, really positive contributor. I had a chance to speak with him on a couple occasions. Uh, seems like an awesome guy, awesome teammate. So tough loss for the Utes in that regard. But I do think guys like Johnny Maia, maybe there's other centers on this team that will step up. I think those guys will be able to fill in for Paul. And I don't feel like this will be a devastating loss next year. And honestly, that's the theme for all these transfers. I feel like there's not – really on these losses that I look at and I'm like, this is a devastating loss. It's going to be detrimental to Utah football's 2023 success. Now, if guys like Brant Keithy come back or not, which depending on those of you that listen to Utah, that listen to Utah basketball's game against Oregon state last week and heard some comments made, you guys might know that, uh, or might think, cause we haven't heard anything from Brant just with the way rumors and everything work. I'm not going to believe anything until I see Brant tweet anything out. There were some things said last week that implied, I believe, on the broadcast that that Brant was going to come back, actually, I should say. Now, see, I'm just getting confused even talking about it. So let's just wait and see it comes out and focus on the guys we actually know. Speaking of tight ends, how about Logan Kendall decided to declare for the NFL draft? Logan coming over from the University of Idaho, former Big Sky player, joining the Utes and was instrumental in the Utes' success running the ball this season whenever they were able to. Also made a few plays in the passing game. He's the recipient of first of Nate Johnson's, what we hope is his first of many touchdown passes at the University of Utah. When you're looking at a guy in Logan, Logan, I just did the biggest thing that stands out will be the blocking. I mean, you talked about a guy last year in Utah's third tight end, Cole Fotheringham, who was just an outstanding blocker. Basically, Nick Ford called him like an extra offensive lineman out there. That's what Logan Kendall was. Logan Kendall just was going on the field every time to inflict pain, throw guys around. He was outstanding at moving guys from point A to point B. Very physical blocker. And it'll be interesting to see what his NFL future looks like. I think when you are kind of a a kind of tight end that is very much so just a blocker. I mean, Logan, look, he runs, 
runs hard when he runs his routes, obviously, but he's not a guy who excels at creating that kind of separation. So I will be interesting to see what his future holds for him at the next level, but he's a guy who's been in school for a long time now. So it makes a lot of sense that he'd want to move on. Um, Utah will miss him as it pertains to their running game, but you know, you got other guys in that room that are going to step up and be able to contribute to this Utah football team in 2023. Two more departures to get to as it relates to this Utah football team. First one I want to talk about is Gabe Reed heading out. It wasn't surprising to see Gabe after having a couple years at Stanford, came over for the Utes, had a strong season, was instrumental in their pass rush success a lot on the year. He had a couple big sacks against Caleb Williams, always applied some pressure when the Utes needed it in a couple of those critical moments. So I've talked about it a lot on the show, how Utah's pass rush hasn't always been there, but I thought one of the more consistent guys when it came to that was Gabriel, a veteran presence off the edge, who was able to do some things, track down quarterbacks for this Utah team, stand up against the rungs, be a leader in a very young defensive end room too, I should add. And Look, Gabe was also, I think, very instrumental, it sounds like, in recruiting Spencer Fano to come over here, too. So a guy who, him between him, we have Sonoka Rennie's coming back to help to help recruit Fano there, too. That, look, look, Gabe's a guy who, in one season, made about as strong as an impact as you can make. So uh, hats off to Gabe Reed for an outstanding one season with the Utes, and now he has a great opportunity to do exactly what he set out to do with Utah. Have one year and then go get his bag. So good opportunity for him. Speaking of going and getting the bag, I think this is the one that Utah fans are most sad that his time has officially come to end, that being Solomon Enos. Solomon, in 56 career games played at Utah, had 20 starts. Overall, this season, you know, not as normal production, had 12 receptions for 100 yards. But one thing you got to credit Solomon Enos is, is he's a phenomenal blocker at the receiver position. He's a guy who just goes in there, is willing to mix it up and get it With done. If you look at what he did last season, he had 22 receptions for 248 yards the year before that. He's a guy who in five years with Utah had over a, at least 100 receiving yards in each of those years. He's actually, least amount was in this season, but he was limited to a, couldn't play in every game on the season because of some of the injuries he dealt with too. And look, I don't know if he was ever right once he got back from that, we should add as well. But just a guy who was really tough for this team. He's made a lot of plays during the course of his Utah career. Old, reliable. Once again, as a receiver, it's just tough to want. You, look, you're a receiver. You want to catch balls, right? That's what these guys want to do. But he was someone who's willing to go in there and mix it up for his team all season long. So I give a lot of credit to Solomonius for what he's done for this Utah team. I'm sure a guy that a lot of you fans have been attached to because of all the contributions he's made, not just on the field, but I should add off it as well. A guy who will definitely be missed. One thing that was missing from this Utah football team this season was a reliable kicker. That was one question kind of going into the offseason is, can the Utes find that? And they might have through the transfer portal. We just talked about some guys in Paul Miley, talked about Mackay Bernard last week, and there's going to be other players that transfer, of course, too, and that guys who lose. The transfer portal taketh away, but it also giveth. And in, in the form of it giveth, we get Cole Becker. The sophomore kicker from Colorado comes over and joins the Utes. Looking at his season overall, Mate was very reliable on extra points overall. 20 for 21 on the season. Overall scored 53 points for the Buffs team. And the thing I think that most excites me is he went 5 of 6 from field goals between 40 and 49 yards. And then from field goals from 30 to 39, 3 for 3, 20 to 29, 3 for 3. A very reliable kicker that I think has the fast track to... I. I feel like is going to more than likely be this Utah team's kicker next year. He already kicked in the Pac-12 a year ago. Of course, it was on a Buffs team that wasn't very good, but he was a reliable form of points for a team that struggled to find a reliable scoring option, obviously, on the season. So I think this is a nice get for this Utah team. Becker, once again, a reliable guy. Anytime you can hit in that in between that 40 to 49-yard range. Look, college kickers a lot of times struggle with anything plus 50. If you guys didn't watch TCU versus Ohio State, then 
go look up how that game ended with a kicker trying a 50 yard that just didn't work out. It's hard to find a guy who can make 50 yard field goals, basically. So anytime you can get a guy who's reliable between 40 and 49, I think that's huge. There's a kicking curse that seems to apply to Utah and kickers. So we'll see if he could shake that bug in Becker when he comes over here. But I'm excited about him. I think it's a great addition by this staff. He's got a reliable leg. Uh, most importantly, as I think a lot of you will look at this uh, signing and think, is he can kick it out of the end zone, get some of those touchbacks that this Utah team desperately needed to get last year. And Coach Whittingham said, basically asking anyone, even media members, he's like, can you kick it out of the end zone jokingly? Because that's how frustrated he was at Utah's inability to do that. That's something Becker is going to be able to provide. And I think that's a huge plus for this Utah team, as well as just that extra fact of, hey, anytime you get across, get in that 40 to 49 yard range, you can have a reliable kicker who can come in and knock in some of those field goals. I think that's something big for this Utah football team. It's something they're going to be able to rely on. And it's nice that they'll be able to have that option in next season because we still don't know what the guys like Cam Rising, Brant Keithy, what their future is going to hold now because it's been a week. We still haven't heard anything from them. So if you can get a reliable kicker, I think that lessens the blow if some of those guys do end up going on to the next level. So it'll be interesting to see how it, uh, how it all shakes out. Um, one thing that's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out just before we dive into our stuff with Andrew Crowley is uh, TCU taking on Georgia tonight. I'm just going to say it. I do think that Georgia is going to win. I would love to see TCU win. I think what TCU has done with head coach Sony Dykes is outstanding in his first year, what, the way he's utilized the transfer portal, maximized his players, gotten to this position. It's what gives me hope for a team like Utah. It's tough to say Utah could be in the national championship game at some point, but it's what gives me hope that a team like that can retool and just find the pieces quickly. And it's why I think one of these years, Utah will make the college football playoff in the 12-team format, and they will win a game in that format. It's because of what Sony Dykes has been able to do in just his first year, just an outstanding season for them and the TCU Horn Frogs. Hopefully they're able to beat the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Um, speaking of losses and things of that pertain to that nature, Andrew Crowley of the Running Hoops podcast joined me to talk about the Utah basketball men's team and their difficult loss to the Oregon Ducks. We also touched on the women's basketball team's difficult loss, their first loss of the season, and it came impact to a play to the Colorado Buffs. We're going to talk about that with Andrew in a moment, but first I want to talk to you guys about our friends at LinkedIn Talent Solutions. As small business owners or hiring managers, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more effectively by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your openings with targeting tools that go beyond resume data by using insights for your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to post your job in front of the most qualified candidates. Why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs and number one delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. In 2023, their goal is to achieve the right team members for your businesses, putting you guys in the best position to succeed. That's the goals of LinkedIn Talent Solutions. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. Joining us now to talk all things Utah basketball is Andrew Crowley of the Running Hoops podcast. And Andrew, it's unfortunate that this is the first time this season we've had you on really after a big loss for this Utah team. All the momentum for the men's, and I'll even rope the women's team into this too. The women's team, the eighth-ranked team, losing in Boulder against a Colorado team. Tough loss for the women's team to swallow. And also a tough loss for this men's program that had a great home crowd turnout, just can't quite get it done against Oregon. I know Oregon isn't as good this year as they've been in the past, but I still think that's just one of those programs you have a lot of respect for. And I don't think at the end of the season we'll view this as a bad loss. But I think my biggest takeaway from but just I'll combine even both these games again, is this is still, these are two really good programs that I still think have a lot of good basketball ahead of them. So I don't think anyone should be checking out on them because they have each had a disappointing loss this weekend. The season is long. Losses are going to happen. There's a reason we see no one survive a perfect start in Pac-12 play. And obviously the Utes and 
women's teams both got off to outstanding starts to their seasons, and I'm still very excited about the future, but you can't avoid talking about what was a letdown for both teams this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of tough losses. Uh, you're absolutely right, though. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're almost literally halfway through the season, and mm-hmm. so there's a lot of basketball left to be played. You know, it doesn't matter how many people are in the arena in Boulder. That's a tough place to play for anybody, uh, which, you know, Oregon and Oregon State found out this week. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, the Utes uh, came up a little bit short against Oregon, one of those games where you kind of just feel like it was off from mm-hmm. the jump. Um, but, you know, they've got an opportunity to bounce back here and uh, it's going to be tough. Yes. They've got an opportunity, that's for sure. Yeah, we're going to talk about that road trip in a minute, but first, I want to dive a little more into this Oregon, the Oregon loss specifically. 70 to 60, the Utes lose it. I think when you're, you said there were, it just felt off. There's a number of things you can point to. I think the one thing that really stands out to me is when you look at the turnovers in this game, both times, both teams did a good job forcing turnovers. Utah forced 12 Oregon turnovers, and the Ducks forced 14 Utah turnovers. So, what's the difference really there? Well, it's the points you score off those turnovers. When you get those opportunities, Utah only scored five points off those 12 turnovers versus Oregon scored 20 off those. 14 turnovers they're really able to cash in on those extra opportunities and in games like this where things can be such even margins against conference opponents who know each other so well to have a 15 point lopside and points off turnover was one of the big differences in this game for me yeah i mean it's the old uh, larryism right yeah. the, the litter the little things matter mm-hmm. and you know it's it's one thing to turn the ball over it's another thing to turn the ball over for an easy layup or an easy three or you know i mean oregon was getting a lot of of what they wanted there early on in the game and, you know, Utah put the clamps on, I thought a little bit better, but even so, right. It's, you know, you just can't turn the ball over that, that much for those many points. It's definitely the case. As I said, I think those points off turnovers is the biggest thing I look at. What's the biggest thing you look at for this game, or maybe as it even relates to a problem this team could be dealing with for the rest of the season. Yeah. You know, Oregon is, is just one of those teams that's like ridiculously, athletic and Uh that's the kind of team that utah has historically struggled against you know you look at you know arizona last year super athletic right i mean those that that team came into the huntsman center and when they decided to turn it on it was over and i think that's you know craig has built a a team here that's a little bit in his image for you know utah state and, and and obviously to a lesser degree south dakota and those teams can line up against a lot of teams and win, but against super athletic teams that get in your face and just make things difficult for you. We've now seen a couple of examples here with Oregon being the latest of, you know, just a, a team that Utah's going to struggle with. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge they have because as we we're talking about too in a little bit, it's a really tough road challenge you have coming up going to UCLA and to USC. And I think one thing the Utes are going to need that one is Brandon Carlson to have strong performances to get the wins. But we know that the other side, those coaches also know that, and they're going to try to do everything they can to limit Brandon Carlson. In your opinion, what does this Utah team need to do to get Brandon some better looks some better opportunities and just help him out more? Because we know he's this team's best player. And against some of the better teams, you look at TCU was able to still hold him to 14 points. And now in this one, he got off to 10, but these teams do a good job. They know how to limit him. So if you're Utah, how are you trying to counter that and get him going more against these good opponents? Yeah, well, and, you know, Oregon had the ability to, you know, kind of stretch outside with him. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these teams that they've beaten, you know, they beat when they beat Cal, you know, they've got Lars Tiemann. Lars Tiemann's a more traditional center. Uh, Oregon State, same kind of thing. But, but you know, 
you can't against a team like Oregon, you can't put Brandon necessarily out at the three point line and expect him to be able to move around because Oregon's got Infale Dante to throw at him and Kalel Ware, among others. So in terms of what Utah needs to do, I think a lot of that has to do with the supporting cast, right? You know, Marco Anthony was able to get a lot of really easy looks or maybe not easy, but good looks from the elbow. And he hit those. And, you know, you just, you're just going to have to have a better shooting, uh, you know, experience Mm -hmm. from Gabe Madsen and Lazer, you know, he got going, but yes. at the, you know, the early start, I, mean, I think they were like, they ended up 14% from behind the arc against yep. Oregon. And so, you know, Brandon's clearly at the top of the scouting report. And I think Gabe Madsen is number two mm-hmm. and Oregon did a great job of really taking both of those guys out of what they like to do. And so when you have that other guys have to step up and they have the guys to do it, but it was just kind of too little too late uh, this past week. Yeah, and you mentioned Lazar. He's kind of the guy that when you go to the scoring load, normally, yes, Marco is the guy who can have those moments and those opportunities, but Lazar a lot of times ends up with the ball in his hands trying to create and do a lot of that stuff. And some games, he does really have it going. You mentioned in a stretch a little bit, he did in this one. But then I think when you're Oregon, if Lazar Stefanovic takes 17 shots, that was their goal coming into this one. And this was one of those nights where, look, when you have to live with something, you can't take everything away. So I think they were willing to live with Stefanovic's shots tonight, and they just weren't falling in this one. He was 5 for 17 in the game overall. You mentioned the contributions of Marco. This is one where Raleigh Wooster didn't quite have it either. He was 0-4 for 3. When you're starting backcourt, really, or just two of your players, I should even just say, in Raleigh, and then also being Gabe combined 0 of 8 from the outside, especially with Gabe being the marksman he is. I just think, in general, when Gabe doesn't hit a 3, it's going to be very difficult for this Utah team to win games. And we talked about Brandon being taken away. It's going to be a big theme with Gabe because they know when he gets going, especially someone too, going to UCLA, that was the whole reason Utah almost beat UCLA last year was the game he had where he went absolutely nuclear early on and kind of burst onto the Pac-12 scene where it's like, who's this guy who's one of the best shooters in the conference? And we don't even know his name at that point. And now he's one of the guys in this Utah team. And now teams know they have to take him away if they want to have success against the Utes. Absolutely. And again, you're talking about, you know, guys getting in his face, Mm -hmm. closing him out, not giving him good looks, not giving him clean looks. You know, you just can't shoot that poorly at home and expect to win, let alone on on the road. And, And we've seen this now a couple of times from the Utes where they've had these, like, they were they were number one in three-point shooting going into, I think, the Cal game. They were number one in three-point shooting in the conference. And, you know, they had a, a 14 or so percent outing there. Now they've done it again here against Oregon. You just can't do that and expect to win. No, you can't. And it's one of the challenges this Utah team will face on this difficult road trip. But before we dive into talking about that, Andrew, this Utah basketball team has experienced a lot of success with the start after their Christmas break. You know, you went into it a downer a little bit, lose to BYU, lose to TCU and the TCU game in Vivint, another good crowd on hand in that one. And then you come out of the break and there's another really strong start for the youths for Pac-12 play. They've been phenomenal out really outside of that Oregon game, I would say, to start the new year too. So still playing good basketball overall. I think when we're talking about just the things that I'm most excited about for this team going forward too, I will say one of them, and I know you can speak to this really well too, is just Brandon Carlson because I know in games like this, he was held in check a little bit, but I just he is the kind of player where it seems like he does figure it out. He's one of those players who's going to have a way to have an impact 
on the game. I still just love the mix of youth and the veterans on this team. We've seen the good moments from Stefanovic, Gabe Madsen too. We know what Marco Anthony can do as a veteran presence. And Marco's the guy, it was Ernie Kent called him the glue guy after their uh, win against Oregon State on Thursday night. And I couldn't agree with that more because he is that guy who shows up and shows in every single night. And that's why I think in years past, maybe you'd look to this loss and be more concerned. I mean, hey, this Utah basketball team didn't win a game in January last year. I think we forget that. They've already won more this January. And I still, I don't look at the is loss like some concerning thing i just look at it like you're gonna lose games and you're gonna move on and even if they end up dropping these two to the california schools i still feel like this team's in a really good good place and i love the basketball they're playing under craig smith this year oh absolutely i mean there's a there's a ton of basketball left to be played this season and there are a ton of opportunities out there to get wins and and you bring up the the bay area sweep that's a great point you know i mean they went in and they beat a cal team that you know yes they have been terrible but they're showing a pulse, right? They're like eighth in the standings right now, you know, and they they beat Colorado at home and they went on the road and beat Stanford by 22 in a game that they were, you know, uh, a a 10-point underdog in. And so, you know, you can't take road wins for granted in Mm -hmm. this league and Utah's got three of them. And so, you know, that's, that's a big thing. And I think, you know, I think you're right. You know, Brandon Carlson has really taken his game to another level. It doesn't show up sometimes mm-hmm. when when you when you have a performance like the team did against yep. Oregon where kind of everybody is is off kilter, but he's splitting double teams, he's making better passes, he's blocking shots, you know, and 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 so he'll bounce back. I I, I totally believe that. And I think the team will too. I think we'll see a much better effort out of them this week you know, in, in uh, LA against the, the LA schools, they've bounced back a lot better this year from losses. They have, they absolutely have. And I think one thing about this Utah basketball team to remember too, is yes, this was a disappointing home loss to Oregon. They already have a pretty outstanding home win that got just overshadowed by back-to-back Pac-12 championships in the win they already got against Arizona early on in the season. And they had another road win then too, when they went on the road and beat Washington state. I still feel very good about the position this Utah men's basketball team is in. And we're going to talk about that short-term future for them in a moment, because as we mentioned, they got some tough games coming up against UCLA and USC. But first I want to talk to you guys about about our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, analysis all season long. What by all season, what do I mean? Well, basically any sports season, you can get the latest odds, trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to the college national championship coming up later tonight. You guys can head over and bet on that. See if you think TCU or Georgia is going to get the win. Also, you can look at stats on and betting lines for the NHL. There's podcasts on bet online too. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info in head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts. Also, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at UCCU. UCCU is offering a 15 month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. Plus you can jump up to an even higher rate of return anytime during the life of your certificate. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but interest rates and inflation are both on the rise. If we hadn't noticed, well, here's the good news. UCCU can help you use this current rise in rates to your advantage. For a limited time, UCCU is offering a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. This is a limited time offer once again, and there's a variety of terms and options to match your specific needs. You can open one up for as little as $500, making this a great and affordable option for you. So make sure you guys head over to a UCCU branch today or visit uccu.com to learn more. Get a savings certificate today. UCCU, love where you bank. All right, Andrew, coming back into this one. I think when talking about this road trip that the men's team has coming up later in the week on thir- on Thursday, 
We have they have the first tough bout that we mentioned where they go to UCLA. The Bruins currently the tenth ranked team. Then at USC on Saturday. And look, it's two very formidable games. I the t- it would be great if they could split this road trip. I mean, going two and zero would be absolutely unbelievable. I think that would be awesome. It's not, and it's not unrealistic. I think last year something like that was unrealistic. I don't feel that way about going into this year. And even zero and two to me isn't concerning because, as we just laid out, it is very hard to win on the road in conference play, especially against really good team, which both these teams still are this year. I think when looking at what I want to see though, is I do want to see this team be competitive. I don't want to see something like where it gets away from you and you let one ten point loss to Oregon spiral and carry over into the next week and then you lose by 20 in both these games on the road I think I'd be very encouraged if not if obviously we want Utah to get the win but if they end up losing this if it comes down to the last couple minutes or things like that like it did last year against UCLA at home I feel like this team is good enough to play these tough games on the road I think they have the chemistry to do it as well as they've shown that ability on the season to be going and get some tough road wins and that's what it's going to be if they are able to get these they're going to be tough road wins yeah, well, there's an old old adage, right, that styles make fights. Yep. And these two teams match up better against Utah from a style perspective than, say, an Oregon does or even an Arizona does. Um, they, they slow it down. They're very deliberate in, in what they do. If you watched their game against each other, USC and UCLA, on Thursday night, it was, it was very much a slugfest, very much a, a slowdown. UCLA only scored 16 points in the second half in that game after getting out to a big lead. And so, you you know, you're absolutely right. What we want to see from Utah in these games is for them to be there, you know, towards the end of the game. Obviously, of course, you want to get the win, but, you know, there's a lot of things that you can, you can see from the team, you know, even in, even in a close loss or a loss. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, look, they've got to bounce back from a shooting perspective. They do have to find ways to get Brandon Carlson, the ball without having him be swarmed. And, you know, obviously on the defensive side, they've got to guard some guys. And, and right now you're talking about Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Clark, and Tyler Cam- uh, Tiger Campbell, mm-hmm. you know, th- three studs for yes. UCLA. To say, to say nothing of the five-star freshmen that UCLA have j- that they just roll through. It's a phenomenal program that they've been able to build out at UCLA. And it's just something that's challenging for the Utes, obviously going on the road, having to play these different opponents. Coach Cronin was the name. I was just about to say Coach Cronin. That for some reason, it totally slipped my mind his name for a moment. He's a phenomenal head coach. Already obviously guided the, them to one Final Four appearance too. So it's going to be fun to see what the Utes can do in these challenging road environments. But as we mentioned, we talked about it a little bit, Andrew, and I want to want you to speak to it too, is just last year, the vibe around this team was so different in January. You could just tell guys were really disgruntled with their roles, and just Coach Smith was never able to get things on track. I think whether it's guys like Marco, it's Co- well, number one, just Coach Smith being in his second year, having a full offseason under his belt, all of that I think really helped. Just have so many of the core guys back to knowing how things work having leaders and veteran guys that I think are really well-respected. I think when Marco Anthony and Brandon Carlson speak, I feel very good saying everyone listens. I wasn't in the locker room last year. I don't know to say that wasn't the same case, but it just feels like it is even more. And I think that is a huge difference for this team. And it's why but we look at these games or just the rest of the Pac-12 slate. And you feel like what we kind of talked about before the season got going for what the ceiling was for this Utah team. It's why you feel very good about those expectations we have. Yeah, well, Marco doesn't say a whole lot, but when he speaks, you know, you pay attention because he knows what he's talking about. He's a veteran guy. And he's been around a he's long, a cha- long He's won a championship. <laughs> he's won a national championship. That's absolutely right. 
And one of the things that he said, you know, when the hype train started to build around the team after the Bay Area sweep and the Oregon State win, one of the things that Marco said was that the difference between this year's team and last year's team was guys accepting their roles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is a very, very loud but, you know, subtle statement and shot at the previous team, right? And, And that's the kind of thing that helps you rebound you know, from a loss like this, right, is, you, you know, you, you gather the team back together and you say, okay, let's let's burn the tape for that one and let's remember what our roles are and what we're trying to do and that we're all swimming in the same direction. And I, I just think that the, the, the leadership, to your point, is just better and stronger on this team that, that a loss like this is not going to send this team into a spiral. It doesn't feel that way, and it's going to be exciting to see how it plays out when the Utes face off against the two California schools this Thursday and Saturday. Andrew, if people want to get a little bit more prepared for the games, where should they go take a listen? Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Running Hoops. You can uh, find me anywhere you can get a podcast, right, Running Hoops podcast. I will have Brandon Carlson on this week to help get ready for the UCLA game and talk a little bit about what went wrong against Oregon and just a bunch of preview type stuff. And I actually also, if I may, write game previews for Ute Zone. There you and go. So you can check out the written word from the Running Hoops podcast over there as well. But yeah, thanks for having me on and uh, I appreciate it. Always great talking with you, Andrew. Appreciate you joining us on today's Locked On Utes. And once again, I want to thank all you guys for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. If you're in the market for a second listen every day, we've been talking about college basketball. There's a Locked On podcast for college basketball. For your second listen, make sure you guys check out our brand new podcast here at the Locked On Network and Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court, plus hear from the big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate Andrew for joining us once again. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Youth, but we'll see you tomorrow.